Welcome to Mormon Book Reviews, where an evangelical encounters the restoration. I'm very excited to have a guest that many of you probably haven't heard of. It's a really fascinating uh, story. I happened to come across uh, this author in talking about his book in Reddit. And I was like, oh, you know what? This looks really interesting. Uh, I love this kind of stuff, man. And the name of the book is called uh, Obscure Mormon Doctrine, Uncommon Beliefs of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And uh, I thought, oh, man, Obscure Mormon Doctrine. Uh, that's where I'm at, man. You know, I'm all about the, the outliers and the peripheral stuff. Um, that's what makes, I think, Mormonism so cool in so many ways. So I contacted uh, Chris, my guest, and said, man, send me a copy, and, and then let's get you on my program and talk about it. So uh, Chris Jensen, welcome to my program. Thank you, Stephen. Great to be here. I appreciate your having me. So just a little bit about Chris. Uh, he grew up in the church, served an LDS mission to Switzerland, and earned a law degree from Brigham Young University. He now lives in Spain with his wife and family. Um, <clears throat> so Chris, I love your book because what it is, it's not necessarily meant to be read from front to back. It's more like kind of like a resource, like an encyclopedia. What made you decide to do it in that format? Um, I think the concept of the book lent itself to that type of format. Uh, you know, the idea of presenting points that are not necessarily well known about, about church doctrine. To me, it was obvious that each of those points could be self-contained and presented as a separate unit, a separate chapter. And so that's the way I wrote it. I mean, I don't want to say anything obscene on, on, your, on your program here, but I, I, I view it as a, as a bathroom book. Uh, I really do, you know, where you can, you can sit down for five or 10 minutes and, and leave, leave through it and, you know, go to your topic of, of interest. There's 40 chapters, not every topic, not every, uh, not all of the 40 topics will interest you necessarily, but, but some of them will. And that's where you'll probably start reading the book. And so that's why I did it that way. I really like what you did. And one of the things that I thought was so interesting is in your introduction, um, and you actually pointed this out to me, and I had picked this up when I first read the book. It says, note, for stylistic reasons, I will generally avoid qualifications like purportably, supposedly, according to the church, Mormons believe, etc., and just state the principles as taught by the church. The reader will have to decide for him or herself what to believe. And I found that to be refreshing because I so often think that when people write these, um, they they either go super faithful or they go super skeptic and they say, well, allegedly Joseph had this vision. It's like, no, just let the content speak for itself and let you decide without a bias. And I just want to say, I really appreciate you taking that approach. Yeah. Um, I completely agree with what you just said. Um, you know, we might eventually get into my reasons for writing the book. I guess we probably will, but I assume that the, that the reader is, smart enough, intellectual enough to decide for him or herself what to believe. And therefore I don't, or I didn't feel the necessity to convince them one way or the other. The doctrine in my opinion speaks for itself. And, and so that's why I did it the way I did it. Uh, also stylistically, I think, it, I think it works much better if I can pare down, if I can you know, create as much concision as possible when I write the book and just present it, you know, without qualifiers. 
um, supposedly, purportedly, you know, obviously, if, if I'm stating it, that's what the church believes. And I think that's why something happened, which I didn't necessarily uh, anticipate. Many readers feel like, because I don't preface the doctrine with the church believes or Mormons believe or whatever, they, they sometimes confuse the statement with my own opinion or with my own belief, which I think is interesting. And you know, it's not necessarily what I believe or what I don't believe, but you can, get the, you can get the impression when you read it that that's what I believe because I never say the church according to the church. You know, um, but I guess that's implicit. It's it, just because it's in the book doesn't mean that's what I believe. <laughs> it's what Mormons teach. It's what the doctrine teaches. And I think it's really important as um, what I like what you do is you, you make a point to put the footnotes at the bottom of the page and you uh, do a great job because you do uh, cite everything in here very well. And you use basically you use great resources. You, um, you know, you, you're using the actual documents that the church has put out. Uh, you, you, you quote from the Book of Mormon, you quote from the Doctrine and Covenants. Uh, you use the gospel topics essays. So essentially, you're, you're basically trying to present this, you know, as straightforward as you can. This is what uh, the LDS, uh, these are some of the beliefs that the LDS teaches. And, uh, you know, I think that was the way to go. And I appreciate that because it, it really does. I, I just want to let the audience know that you make a point to document all your, all the statements in here are very well documented. Yeah, I mean, it's very important in a book like this that you don't, you know, you don't stray into personal opinion and it's very hard to not do that because um, everybody has their own background and their own, their own belief system. And you're tempted to take the doctrine and interpret it in, in your own way and, and present it as if it's, as if it's actual church doctrine. And, and I really tried to stay away from that. I tried to be extremely fair and balanced and, you know, touching on what you said before, I, I didn't want the book to be anti-Mormon. I didn't want the book to be pro-Mormon. I wanted it to be fair and accurate and even-handed and then leave it to the reader to decide how to, how to, you know, how to interpret the material. And in order to keep myself on track and, you know, make sure the book is credible and not, you know, not an easy target to, you know, to, to criticism or attack. I made sure that every, every point that I indicated as being church doctrine was, was fully supported. And basically every time, you know, a couple of times I'll go a little bit more toward the fringe and the, the mo and the best I can come up with as a source is maybe, maybe somebody who's not a, uh, who's, who's an apostle, but not necessarily one of the 12 apostles, but, uh, Otherwise, everything I state in the book is supported by scripture, Mormon scripture, and or statements by the president or one of the 12 apostles. And, and you're right, I, I, I thought it would be much more effective if I put the, the footnotes at the bottom of each page, because I think the typical reader will be interested to know the source of the point that I'm stating. And so that I make it easier for, for you to reference that point. And I had to find a balance. You know, I really tried to make the book as readable as possible. I didn't want it to be a treatise 
or an academic exercise. I wanted it to be interesting. It had to be interesting. It had to be readable. And so I, I try to back up every statement with every important statement with, with core sources, but only a couple. You know, one of the edits that I made of the many edits that I made, one of them was to cut down on the number of citations because I had multiple citations for most of the points. And I decided, well, to make the, re the book readable, let's just keep the most important ones. So let's get into some of the topics in your book. So basically the way it works is you actually have, the, it's broke up in chapters, but it's alphabetized. So for instance, the very first um, chapter is Adam. And then you have a few different chapters on the afterlife, talking about the general and then the celestial, terrestrial and celestial kingdoms. Talk about hell. Um, this is just the A's, but like uh, America is in, in context of the United States. You talk about the word of wisdom. You talk about collab. You talk about pre-existence, Noah and the flood, mother in heaven. And it's really cool how you did this. Now, just tell me, what was like some of your favorite topics that you loved researching? What Which ones did you have the most fun with? Um, that's a great question. I mean, the whole book was fantastically in interesting for me and fun. And so I have to, you know, I have to probably disappoint you and say that all of the chapters were really interesting for me to write, but some of the chapters are, are more mainstream, you know, like the celestial king, the terrestrial king, the celestial kingdom, etc. And so that wasn't quite as interesting for me because it wasn't as obscure. Um, uh, although I felt like I had to include those for non-Mormon readers. Uh, and it all, you know, those are important topics that, that explain the, the overall philosophy of the church. So maybe, you know, maybe the chapters that, that dealt with some things that were really obscure and that I, having grown up in the church and having served a mission, really had no idea about, such as the Lost Ten Tribes and the Gathering of Israel, or Jews and Gentiles, and this whole, this whole attitude that the church has about who is a Gentile, um, and this whole lineage and patriarchal blessing area where, you know, history, family history, lineage is a huge part of the church, but I only had a very nebulous conception of why. And so to really dig to the bottom of those chapters um, about the gathering of Israel and, and Zion and where it's all headed and why it matters. And of course, temples, temple work and baptism for the dead. All of that is, is interconnected. And I, I think that's, to me, the most interesting part of, of the book that, you know, to write because it was the hardest to pin down. You know, if you read those chapters, I think a lot of readers, especially Mormon readers, will gain a lot of understanding by reading those chapters about the religion that they don't, they don't already know. And that's really the point of the book is to present some of these principles that, that people don't know or they, they don't know in, in fine detail in the clearest, simplest way. Um, and that, that was the real challenge, you know, because a lot of the stuff is, is complicated. Yeah, it's so interesting because, you know, uh, before David O. McKay really started pushing for correlation, and uh, trying to basically uh, smooth some of the rough edges, if you will, of church history and doctrine and stuff like that. There was a lot more vitality. A lot of this, what was called obscure Mormon doctrine, 
was probably a little bit more you know, recognized more before correlation. And so, but there are many Latter-day Saints who, you know, will probably believe 99% of what's in here would still be part of their worldview, but it's just a small amount of people that actually do. But I mean, even just talk about how, in some sense, there was a time when all this stuff was out there. And then the church throughout the years has just kind of moved away from some of these statements or doctrines and in the process of how and why that happened. Oh, that I think you just touched on possibly the most important reason for me why I wrote the book. And I don't know if you want me to get into it, but very quickly, if you read the introduction, I quickly mention the three audiences that I wrote the book for. You know, there's a little bit of confusion of, you know, why I wrote the book um, and where I'm coming from, uh, because the book doesn't target one very clear, specific readership. And that's good and bad. I mean, it makes it harder to market, makes it harder to sell. But I really do think that the book is equally interesting and important if you are non-Mormon, ex-Mormon, or devout Mormon. Um, and speaking of the group that is devout Mormon, what I mentioned in the, in the introduction is, you know, this book can really help you understand what it means to be a Mormon. And, and I really mean that, you know, the doctrine in the book is correct. And therefore it helps you understand what you believe or what you ought to believe as a Mormon. And that's, that's hugely important if you're devout. And the fact is what you just said is exactly right. Um, I feel like the church has been, uh, let's say deceptive recently over the last 20 years or whatever maybe since you said david o mckay um by moving away from some of this you know vital interesting doctrine that really makes the church unique that's what makes the church different from other christian religions the stuff that's in this book that's exactly what makes the mormon church interesting uh and different and and the early church was proud of it and they had no qualms about discussing, you know, fringe doctrine, what, what you and I would maybe call fringe doctrine. And over the years, especially recently, the message has been so diluted and so, you know, has, has moved so mainstream. You know, all they talk about is Christ, 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 Christ. And the, uh, you know, I, and these more controversial topics are avoided in order to make in my opinion, I, you know, I, I, I don't know why they do it, but it's probably to make the, the religion more, more appealing, more acceptable to, to more people. Hmm. And I think it's unfortunate because, again, I think it's maybe dishonest and absolutely, you know, actually unnecessary. You know, if you believe it, you believe it and you believe and you believe all of it and you should be proud of it. And you should, you should investigate it and figure out a way to accept it. Hmm. You know, so this is one way, if, you know, if you're a Mormon and you want to know what your church is, is really about, this is one way to, to find out. I mean, it's funny because it, it mirrors in many ways Bruce R. McConkie's book, Mormon Doctrine. And if you typed into Google or if you typed into Amazon, Mormon Doctrine, you know, part of my reason for choosing this title was his book would pop up and mine. 
<laughs> and I really respect him. You know, he was a real, I don't know what the word is, but, uh, but he, you know, whatever else he was, he was fearless. And he, you know, he, he did not shy away from stating things as he saw them and it got him into trouble, but I respect him for it. And that book has basically been, you know, torpedoed because it brings up a lot of, you know, um, let's say strange doctrine, you know, strange to a lot of, uh, a lot of people outside the church. But, yeah. but, what you, but what you said is right. I mean, you know, the Mormon, you know, the devout Mormons that have read this book don't really have a problem with it, with what's in there, you know, because they, they grew up with it in the back of their mind. They knew it was there. They just hadn't talked about it or thought about it much, at least not recently. And this book gets them thinking about it again. And it, it, it takes them to the, to the bottom of the doctrine it digs down until they hit bedrock but they actually don't have a problem with it. Yeah, that's what's so interesting about this book. And this is where I really kind of have to change the trajectory of the conversation a little bit, because I have to tell you, I read this book and um, I thought this guy really knows his stuff. He uses uh, the right sources. He is obviously to me a very orthodox believing Mormon who um, really isn't afraid to look at this with his eyes wide open and really delve into the topic. And I thought this guy really uh, did his homework. And so uh, my friend, Nathan Smith, who used to be um, an apologist with Fair Mormon, I told him about this book. So he went ahead and purchased a copy of it. And uh, we had a talk about it. And um, he thought the same. He was very impressed. He brought up a couple things about like Adam God, like why, why is that not in there or he and stuff like that. Um, which, of course, is not something that's currently taught by the church. Uh, but uh, we both just were very intrigued by this book because we didn't really know anything about you. So I have a conversation with you last week. And I, uh, <laughs> uh, you tell me um, your story. And uh, it really, really surprised me as well as Nathan. And that's what I would like for you to reveal to the audience. Um, what is your status in regards to uh, your um, relationship with the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints? Well, Stephen, before I answer that question, I don't think it matters where I stand. Mm -hmm. it, you know, it's, it's interesting to the reader, probably. Right. Um, one reason why I didn't put it in the, uh, you know, on the back cover of the book or anywhere else in the book, although I had put it in there originally, was because I felt like it would maybe taint or prejudice the reader one way or the other. And the way they read the, read the book and the way they interpreted the, the material in the book. And I don't want that to be the case. And that's why, you know, even though I'm gonna answer your question, <laughs> I really don't want it to affect the reader's opinion of the book. The material in the book speaks for itself. Yeah. And how I, interpret it is is my business and how you interpret it is your business and that's the way every reader should look at it um i grew up in the church like you said i went on a mission to the zurich switzerland mission i am out of the church now and i have been out of the church for 30 years 
And that's probably one of the main reasons why I could write this book without any, any kind of rancor or negativity. Um, because I, I have reconciled my, you know, my background with my current philosophy and I'm very comfortable with my, with my, you know, where I am mentally. And I have no problem at all with the church at all. Um, most of my, you know, most of my family is still devout and I respect, there are a lot of Mormons that I respect very, very much. And so I never wanted this book to be an attack on the church. And that's why it isn't. And that's why you can read it and you don't know where I stand. Or you, if you guess, you would probably guess that I stand on the, on the side of the church, which is interesting to me because it's something I didn't anticipate. So I am out of the church, um, but I don't have any neg you know, negative uh, agenda whatsoever about the church. I mean, what's been so interesting about the book is that it has basically been a mirror of the reader's own prejudices or pre preconceptions. And so if my mom reads it, who, she's very devout and she read it and she loved it. And she asked me if I was going to baptize my son into the church. And, you know, just for your information, my son, my wife is Romanian. And my son was baptized into the Romanian Orthodox Church. <laughs> not because that's what I wanted. That's what my wife wanted. And I, and I had nothing against it. And I was blown away by her question. And, I, and that was the first of, of many reactions, similar reactions like that, where people read the book and thought, well, you know, has Chris found, re, you know, rediscovered his, his, his Mormon religion? Or, you know, other people who read the book, my wife, for example, or ex-Mormons, they have the opposite reaction. You know, they say, can you believe anybody believes this stuff? Because it's reflecting their own opinion of, you know, how crazy the doctrine is, that there are innumerable gods, that there are innumerable Christ figures, you know, whatever, um, can be seen as pretty crazy if you're not uh, conditioned to, to, to believe it, you know, for most of us growing up. And so uh, I find the doctrine fascinating, but not convincing. Mm. And that's where I stand. So it was so funny because I went to Nathan and I said, dude, the guy left the church 30 years ago and he was blown away by it. And he said, <laughs> but you know, he said, actually, I give, I give this book more credit now because of the fact that you left, because you were able to write, in many ways, a very fair book. And it's a very interesting book because you really are trying to be unbiased. And I, I really like what you did because if you're a faithful Latter-day Saint and you read this book, I don't think you're gonna have much of a problem with it. You might quibble with a few things here and there, but this easily could have been written by a faithful Mormon. The one person that comes to mind is my friend, Jonathan Neville who's also a lawyer by training. He's an Orthodox uh, believing uh, church, a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. He writes uh, books, uh, a lot of interesting books regarding like the heartland model of the Book of Mormon and is coming out with a new book about Jonathan Edwards' influence on the Book of Mormon. And I kind of see him, if he were to write a book, it would not be exactly like this, but it'd be very similar because he's somebody like you who, uh, well, he's somebody as I imagined you were, 
was an Orthodox <laughs> believing Mormon with their eyes wide open and wasn't afraid to uh, embrace the scholarship. So I just want you to respond to that. Yeah, you know, I really love the idea and I love, I've loved this idea for a long time because I, you know, I imagine how things would go once the book came out um, of just appearing on the scene out of nowhere, a complete uh, unknown. And that's who I am. You know, like I, I've been out, I've been outside the US for 30 years, living in Asia and living in Europe, you know, and so nobody, nobody knows me here. Nobody, uh, you know, I haven't been involved in any kind of Mormon dialogue, any, any kind of Mormon discussion about anything. And then out of the blue, this book appears by this guy named Chris Jensen and, and nobody knows who I am. And I love that idea. Um, you know, and so uh, again, I, I, I think what happened with me, the reason why the book, you know, people who know me wonder, well, why did I even write the book? Because they know that I, that I am very comfortable with where I am today and that, I, and that I've been basically um, outside of this discussion for years and then suddenly I write a book. And I think what happened in my case is the, the seed was planted years ago you know, living overseas as a, as a Utah, you know, and, and getting, meeting foreigners, mostly foreigners, but also Americans. And you, you start the typical conversation, where are you from? I'm from Utah. Then the next question is always, are you Mormon? And then my answer would, would always be, well, I was Mormon. And, and then there were, and then there were questions always about the church. And there was this fascination. And there was usually misconceptions, half-truths, you know, people that understood a bit about the doctrine enough, enough to be dangerous or enough to be wrong. And I realized over the years, as this kind of conversation happened over and over and over again, well, you know, there's, there's a potential book, book here, you know, to help people understand. And, and the last thing that the world needs, I thought, was another anti-Mormon book or another pro-Mormon book, or another book about why I left the church. You know, I didn't think that would be interesting to most people. Or a book which is neutral, but academic. And this book doesn't exist or didn't exist before I wrote it. In my opinion, it is unique because it's not pro-Mormon, it's not anti-Mormon, it's not academic, it's not a personal history. It's the only absolutely fair, even-handed presentation of, of the doctrine that exists. And therefore, I think it's valuable. Um, and that's the kind of book I wanted to write. You know, I wanted to write it for these people that were always asking me questions. So I could say in the future, well, if you really want to know, buy my book. Mm. Because, it's, because it's correct. And it's not propaganda. And it will give you a very, you know, honest um, presentation of, of, the, of what the church believes. You know, and then I started to write it and um, I thought, well, I need to be fair. I need, you know, for, just for myself. At some point, my family's going to read it. My parents are going to read it. My brothers are going to read it. And I have to be proud of what I, what I did. And I have to feel like I was honest. Mm 
And even more important than what they think is what I think myself. And so um, that's how it started, you know, from this seed. And what, what actually ended up happening is I myself, and I mentioned this in the, in the introduction, I ended up writing it for myself, probably more than anything, because I found it fascinating, you know, these bits and pieces of doctrine that I had been taught from the day I was born were, were somewhere in my mind, and often I couldn't piece it together. And so it was like a puzzle. As I wrote the book, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about Zion, you know, the last chapter in the book is Zion. Well, what does Zion mean if you're Mormon? It means a lot of things. Um, but what does it really mean? And so I would dig and I would dig and I would dig until I hit the bottom of that topic. And then that chapter was done. And it was hugely satisfying for me. You know, you, you mentioned something to me during the interview, uh, when pre-interview when we were talking the other day, was you used the word, it was a very joyful process. Yeah. No, no. One thing I loved about my mission, I have to say, and, you know, living in Switzerland for two years was a great experience, but being a missionary in Switzerland is not very successful. Um, but one of the great things about being a missionary, and I think it's probably why you're doing what you're doing as, as a hobby. And, you know, I think in your, in your mind, you would love this to become a full-time job and it probably, you know, the way it's going, congratulations to you, the way it's going, it probably will be is because you spend your time, you now and me, when I was a missionary, you spend your time talking about the important questions, which is a great way to spend your day. You know, the average person spends their day doing trivial, meaningless things, and then eventually they die. And for those two years, I did nothing but talk to people about the big issues. And it was a great experience. And um, that's what happened when I wrote this book. You know, it was like, it was almost like I was back on my mission, but with the freedom to go wherever my mind took me, that I didn't experience when I was a missionary, you know, that, that was always part of my problem when I was a Mormon is that my mind would try to take me places that, that the doctrine wouldn't allow me to go. And I'd have to, I don't know if you've seen the musical, the Book of Mormon, but I'd have to turn it off, you know, turn it off like a light switch. And so that's why that song is such a great song in the, in the play, because if you're Mormon, you know exactly what it means. You start going someplace where you're not allowed to go and you have to switch it off. But when I wrote this book, I could go wherever my, you know, my thinking and my research took me. And so, for example, that, you know, the chapter you asked me what, what, what some of my favorite topics were. I like the chapter about animals a lot. Number one, because I'm an animal lover. And, you know, a lot of this stuff, I, I wish it was true <laughs> or I hope it's true, um, you know, about animals having a soul and being resurrected. And there's a quote in the book about how it wouldn't be heaven, it wouldn't be paradise without animals. And to me, that resonates that, you know, if there is a paradise, it would have to have animals. But uh, anyway, um, in that chapter, and this is where you might get a hint that maybe I'm, I'm out of the church, <laughs> where I talk, you know, occasionally I'll talk about something that probably sounds critical of the church, you know, where, where I talk about how every living organism, every living organism 
the way I interpret the doctrine was created spiritually first before it was created physically in the pre-existence and will be resurrected. And, and then I speculate at the end of that chapter, well, what does that mean? I mean, it, it, it clearly means that every animal, every plant, every weed, you know, the trillions and trillions of weeds that have existed on earth from the beginning of the, the creation of the earth until the millennium literally will be resurrected eventually, which is astounding. And if you're not Mormon, it's, it's astoundingly stupid. But if you're Mormon, it's, uh, you know, it's fine. You have, you know, but then I speculate, well, what, what does that mean? Really every, does that include amoebas? Does that include bacteria? <laughs> You know, and this is what's great about the book, and this is what was so much fun, um, because virtually every chapter would lead me into, into one of these tangents that was fascinating to just follow to its end. And that's what I hope the reader, you know, experiences. Same thing. Yeah, I, I just think that what you did here was just was fantastic. And I, I, I want you to talk a little bit about um, you. you you're not very well known, but your father is pretty well known person in some circles at BYU. Uh, who was your father? Yeah, so my father, he he died a couple of years ago, but his his name is Clay Jensen, Clay R. Jensen. And so he was kind of a big shot at BYU, especially if you're into BYU athletics. Every person who 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 follows BYU sports knows Clay Jensen because he was the he was the dean of the College of Physical Education for about 25 years. Um, you know, a giant within that department. And then eventually he was the athletic director. And that was a lot of my reason for being cautious with the book and concerned. Well, first of all, with my mission, you know, because I, I was tempted on my mission to leave because that's when my sort of my crisis of faith began. Mm -hmm. But having a, having a father as the Dean of the College of Physical Education and then leaving your mission and coming home, that's a big deal. And I have, to give, I have to give him a lot of credit because he really supported me, what he encouraged me to do, which, which was the right thing to do at the time, was to not necessarily try to convert people to the doctrine, to the church, but to try to just help people to be Christ-like. And to, you know, and in some, in some cases, that would mean converting people. I mean, I believe that for some people, the Mormon church is probably the right choice. And I wasn't sure at the time, you know, my, my, my beliefs now are more refined than they used to be. But at the time, that was, that was good advice because what I did for the rest of my mission, instead of coming home, based on his advice, is I just tried to react to each person's situation and help them in the best way I could. And of course, it took me many years to, after that to leave the church. I mean, I came back to BYU, stayed at BYU. And then even after I graduated from BYU, I still stayed at BYU. I mean, it's very hard to break away from the, from the society. Um, I stayed at BYU and went to law school. And the only time I actually had the courage to, to finally 100% leave the church was after I physically left Provo and moved to California 
to, to work as a lawyer in the Bay Area. And, you know, that but that was when I was 20, 26 years old. You know, so that was that was 30 years ago. Um, and I think anybody who leaves the church, it's a process. I was lucky that it started early for me. And so I've enjoyed 30 years of tranquility where I basically put the issue to, to bed more or less 30 years ago. And that's what's so kind of fascinating about my story is, well, why would I, you know, wake, wake this issue back up in order to write the book? But that's not really what I did. It's not an issue in my mind. Whether the church is true or not is not an issue in my mind. It was just a, it was just a, it was a fascinating exercise. And I, I really do think that it can help people in different ways. I think the book can help Mormons um, either strengthen your faith, you know, help you understand better what it, what it, what it really means, or help you understand what the church truly teaches and therefore know what you're rejecting. You know, I think one of the, I don't want to, I don't know what word to use here, but it's a bit of a trick that the church uses is they keep a lot of these concepts relatively nebulous. I think by design, you know, this, this thing about all living things being resurrected. Um, but, you know, I, there's a, there's a million things like that, like that in the book or about mom, can you please close the door? Um, sorry about that. Okay. Or about, you know, mother in heaven or, uh, you know, the, na the nature of hell or calling an election made sure a lot of these things are intentionally kept obscure or nebulous because then it's hard to, to take a real decision and say, well, to me, that sounds crazy. And therefore, or, or the temple, I mean, the temple for me was always a huge issue. And so the chapter on the temple would probably really help you understand, well, what's been going on historically with the temple? What does it mean? What does it signify? And clarify to people whether they're going this direction or that direction. Okay, well, this is what it means to stay in and this is what it means to, to get out and just inform them. I mean, and I think for sure what some people will do, will they'll say, well, this is crazy. You know, now that it's just laid out in a very straightforward way, fairly, you know, I, they can't criticize the book as being prejudice. I really don't think anybody can criticize the book as being prejudice, which was hugely important for me when I wrote the book, because you, the reader, have to be able to say, well, this is a fair, accurate presentation of the doctrine, and this is what I, this is what I myself am going to do with it, with this information. That's all I care. I don't care if you say, you know, I respect you if you say, well, yeah, that's, that's what the church represents and I accept it, I completely respect that. What I don't respect is somebody who doesn't go through the process, who doesn't really struggle with the doctrine. Hmm. And you know, if you've done that, whatever conclusion you've reached, I completely respect. You know, the purpose of this channel really has just been to engage the full spectrum of the uh, restoration 
And, you know, I want to talk to my audience, you know, I, my audience is comprises these full spectrum. So I have, um, you know, believing Orthodox Mormons and very progressive. I have people who have, are post-Mormon. Um, and one of the things about my channel was as an evangelical, the goal of my channel is not to bash nor to proselytize or anything like that. I just want to have real conversations uh, that talk about real things and go to places that maybe other people don't want to go to or aren't able to go to. And one of the things I really loved about your book was that it, there is a real attempt to be fair and unbalanced, uh, be fair and balanced and unbiased. And uh, it really struck me reading this book. I thought this guy is really good. I mean, he's really making a point. He's not going too far in any one direction. Um, and I kind of feel like it's kind of reflective of what I'm trying to do in one sense is that I'm an outsider, but I want to be fair. And I want all voices heard and I want pe all people to come to the table and have this respectful dialogue and conversation. And I think one of the most important things is, is just being factually accurate with the facts that we have. And if we can use that as the basis agreed upon what are the facts, then we can have real adult conversations about our uh, similarities and our differences. And I think Chris, what you, what you, this book accomplishes that and I think it could be a real basis for having some really good conversations amongst uh, various groups. Yeah, well, I appreciate that, Stephen, because that was exactly what I was hoping to accomplish. I mean, as a, as a final comment, I think, you know, what I used to say when I was struggling on my mission is if there is a God, he wants me or she, you know, he wants me to follow my conscience. He doesn't want me to um, obey blindly something, you know, especially something that contradicts, you know, what I'm feeling in my heart of hearts. And that, that always gives me comfort because I really do feel like I've lived my life so far in a way that, you know, was a, it, it's been a sincere effort to, to find truth and to live according to my conscience. And if God condemned you know, if, if, if there's a, a, a Mormon God that condemns me for leaving the church, because that's what I felt in my, you know, deep in my soul was the right thing to do, then um, I'm sorry, that's not a fair God. And I don't think that that's the way, if there is a God, he, he would operate, you know? And so um, this is what the book's about. It's about helping people develop their own you know, philosophy and, and, uh, and follow it accordingly. And if, if that's what they're doing, then they're, they're living a righteous life. You know, that's really interesting. Uh, you know, I have a friend, Jackson Washburn, who's uh, going to be attending Harvard Divinity School this fall. And I had him on my program and he was on another podcast and he, he, he says, I want to keep Mormonism weird. He likes to embrace uh, the weirdness of Mormonism that makes it unique. And I think there's something to that. If you guys, or if the LDS were to become just another uh, denomination, it would no longer be interesting to me. Its history would be, but the church itself would no longer be. And so in one sense, I kind of want Mormonism to become more Christian, but I also want it to also be weird, <laughs> for lack of a better no, term. I could not agree more. Yeah. And that's the... You know, that, that's the tragedy of what's happened, in my opinion, this, this move, moving away from the, some of the more fringe doctrine. And I don't even, I, I really hesitate to call it fringe because 
if you asked Joseph Smith or Brigham Young, they would they would have they would have said it was core, that it was uh, essential doctrine. Basically, what sets the church apart, and it's something to be proud of. If you're Mormon, it's something to be very proud of. You know that God came up. I, I have to say this, even though I don't believe the doctrine, it's it's incredibly intricate, and um, you know, the, the body of doctrine that has developed in less than 200 years is so vast and more or less internally, internally consistent that I gained a real respect for all, you know, this, this gigantic body of Mormon doctrine that, that exists and that is presented in the book. Even though I don't believe it, I think it's something to be proud of. I think it's fascinating and, and I think it's really worth, you know, worth worth learning about because whether whether or not you believe it it's fascinating and i think you're right i think it's um i think it's actually a strength of the church you know, potentially it's what makes the church different and that's what attracted people initially to the church and therefore um I, I actually think it's a stri strategic mistake for the church to de-emphasize it to the, to the extent it has been. So I just want to say, you know, this is really a, a great book, and I'm, I'm glad we had this conversation because, um, you know, I like the, some of the unique attributes of the restoration, um, and I like to engage that aspect because it is, uh, you know, as you had said, there's this great body, and that's why of doctrine and different stories and folklore and history that makes the LDS church and the restoration itself to be a very interesting topic that's worthy of study, that's worthy of taking time and to really enjoy, like you said, it's a joyful process when you're doing this. And I feel joyful every time I have a guest like you on or every time I pick up a book and read it and learn new things. And I think that that's where we can look at this as outsiders, but still see the positive attributes of this movement as well. Um, Chris, I just want to thank you so much for coming on my program. Do you have any final words you'd like to share with my audience? Um, no, I just, uh, I thank you so much, Stephen, for the opportunity. I mean, the, the challenge with a book like this that I self-published is, is getting it out there. And I think if I can get it out there, if we, we together can help get it out there, that, um, that, it'll, that it'll catch on because the, I think the book is, it, it, it's really something I'm proud of. I, th I think it's a, re a really good quality book that a lot of people can uh, can read and, and appreciate and learn from. So um, I just appreciate the, the opportunity to be on your program and hopefully this will help, help publicize the book a little bit. I hope so too. And I just want to remind my audience that I will uh, it, leave a link in the description um, so that you can purchase the book. Um, and it comes pretty quickly. So when you order it, it will be in, at your doorstep in a couple of days. And uh, I just want to remind my audience to like and subscribe. And don't forget to hit the notification button so that you're informed whenever there is a new video that's coming out. You all have yourself a wonderful day. And thanks again, Chris, for coming on. Thank you, Stephen.